Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is hard. Sometimes it seems like survival is the greatest thing we can hope for. Somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of who or what we could become. God has something better in mind. He created us for a purpose, a God-ordained destiny that makes a difference. Because of this, we believe that we can change, we can grow, and we can reach a potential we have yet to realize. Join us for Aspire, a four-part series designed to reignite our hopes and dreams for tomorrow. Good to see all of you guys. We are on part two of a series called Aspire, but before we get into that, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that are going on here at the beginning of the year. The first one is if you were here for the last two weeks when you came in, there was a small card on your seat that was not there today, but if you would like one of these, they are in the information center in the lobby. What is this? It is a Bible reading guide uh, that we are trying to give everyone. If you've got an online version you already use or you've got a version from anywhere that you use, that's great. But the point is, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, the best chance we have of living the life that he wants for us is if we know what his word says. I'm a firm believer. The best life we can ever get is going to come as we get close to God's word. So uh, in the lobby, you can pick up a Bible reading guide if you need one or do not have one. Now, uh, second thing is we talked about uh, over the, the end of last year, and I've been talking for the last couple of weeks, one of the things we're trying to do better this year is how we are disciples and make disciples. And the phrase we're talking about is one-on-one, one-on-few. That means doing this in life groups. And so if you are, are, are ready to take the challenge, we need folks who say, I'm ready to do what God has called me to do, and that is to share what he's done in my life with other people. So go register for your life group. We're going to be starting these in just a couple of weeks. As you heard about the training in the announcements, go to our website or stop by the white tent. If you have no idea what else to do, just stop by the white tent. They'll answer all your questions. Okay, when you came in today, a lot. Isn't there a lot here? But just flow with me. When you came in today, one of these was on your seats. And uh, here's the reason we're doing this. One of the jobs that I have, I do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of marriage counseling. And so throughout the week, I will, I'll work with couples all the time. And over the years, sometimes couples have come to see me when, when they have made a really big mess. Can I just be honest? And I'm not picking on any of you, by the way, so I'm not going to look your way. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Nobody over there. Anyway, people come to see me when they've made such a mess that only Jesus could save this marriage. I've actually had people come to see me after Jesus couldn't even save this marriage, and that's, that was a joke, right? Come on, are y'all with me? Jesus can save anything. I've just seen if you're already going to laugh today. But here's a good idea. What if we stopped waiting until our marriage was on its last leg to try and do something for it or in it? And so we have decided uh, one of the best things we can do, we're going to make a very concerted effort to help our marriages at the beginning of this year. One of the things that we're going to be doing is we have more than doubled, maybe even tripled. We're still working out, getting everybody registered, uh, but doubled or tripled the number of marriage life groups that we have. I want to encourage you, if you're married, to get into a marriage life group. The second thing that we're going to be doing is the month of February, we're going to do a series on marriage, some biblical relational things that will help us understand how to be married. Now, first of all, if you've ever been married or married or plan to be married or have any ideas about marriage, you need to come and hear that. But I know some of you are going to say, I'm single, not another marriage series. I hate this or whatever. Okay, well, here's the deal. The idea of a good, successful biblical marriage 
is applicable to every relationship in your life. If you will do the things we're going to teach in every other area of your life, your coworkers will like you more, your friends will like you more, you'll have more successful relationships, you'll be promoted more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So even the single people who don't ever want to be married, uh, you know, which would be like one of you maybe, then you can still come and get something out of it. All right. Now, finally, on this card, if you will look over on this side of the card right here, we are going to start all of this with a marriage conference. That means Friday night, Saturday morning, and then we will turn around and on that Sunday morning preach the first message of the series. And then we will also use this conference to help people connect with a marriage life group. Everybody with me on that? Okay. Now, after the first service, I had a man come up and ask me, like, hey, who is this for? Because, like, if I go tell my wife, honey, we need to go to this, like, I might get slapped, you know? Okay, so here's the thing. The marriage conference is for everybody, anybody, and everybody. That means if you go to Grace Life, it is for you. If you know someone who doesn't go to Grace Life, it is also for them. If you're married or ever hope to be married or even think marriage could be in your future, this is for you. If you have a great marriage, this is for you. If you have a mediocre marriage, this is for you. If you have a bad marriage, this is for you. It is for you. It's for everybody, anybody, everybody. Hope we got that one clear. All right, good with that? Yeah. Whew, that was a lot of announcements. All right, here we go. And I'm not supposed to do announcements, but that was just important to talk through those things. Last thing. If I could ask you to go to two Sundays a year, not to miss two Sundays a year, what do you think they would be? Right, yep, there you go, Easter and Christmas. No, actually, I don't care if you come at Easter and Christmas. Just to be perfectly honest, you already know what Easter and Christmas is about. And we will have plenty of guests to fill the seats that only go to church on Easter and Christmas. That's not the two. Yeah, I know that blows your mind, doesn't it? The two, and I've said this in the past, the two that I want you to be at more than any other are the two Sundays where we kick off our week of prayer and fasting. Because this is where we come together and talk about the importance of what God is going to do in us as a church, in our individual lives, and in our families over that coming week. And so we do this every January to kick off the new year, and then we do it in August as we kind of go through the summer, and we're coming back, getting a new school year started, and it just seems like a good time to regroup again. And if you'll recall, back in August, I said, put January 22nd on your calendar. That is next week. So please, if at all possible, if Grace Life is your home church, be here next Sunday. If you've got the flu, just bring your blankie and just come over to the corner and stay away from people, but do your best yeah, I'm glad some of you are with me on that. Do your best to be here. Got a special message already prepared for us about what God is calling us to do and the things we need to be praying over. So look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right, everybody good? Okay, so here we go. Part two of Aspire. Uh, the entire series is based upon a very simple idea. Last, year, last week we just gave the intro, and, and it is about this. God isn't done with you yet. God isn't done with his plans for you yet, okay? And you have yet to see the best that God has for you in your life. That's why we're doing this series on Aspire. And so we laid down some really foundational ideas. If you missed last week, it might be worth your time to go back and get that. But you now are faced with a question. Will you settle in a good land or conquer a promised land? And so with that as our backdrop for the series, starting today, the final three parts of the series will be to talk about three things that we can and should be aspiring to in our lives. And today I want to talk to you about the idea of aspiring to leave a legacy, aspiring to leave a legacy. 
And a legacy is about who you are and what you are known for after you're gone. So if we're going to talk about that, we need to start with talking about who you are today. And I don't know about you, I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity, I'm going to use that word, the opportunity that I've had to overhear people talking about me. Nothing has had a greater influence on who I am today than to hear whispers as I would walk down a hall. Now, if, if anybody's ever had this happen where you turn a corner and there are a group of your friends that are talking and as soon as you turn the corner, they suddenly get quiet and their faces turn red and you realize the talking you were hearing was about you, not someone else. Anybody with me? Anybody ever had that happen? Yep. Yeah? okay, good. Three of you. The rest of you are blessed. <laughs> amazing. Your friends don't talk about you because you're so amazing, there's nothing to say. Good for you. Okay, the rest of us, we actually discover things about us that, well, you know, sometimes people just won't say to your face, except for that one friend who says, can we have coffee? Because I've got things I need to say to your face. All right, anyway, here's the point. Those people actually help because you discover that who you think you're going to be known for is never going to happen because of who you are known for, and you need to work on that, except for the few of us that just discount them. Well, those people are stupid. They don't know the real me anyway. Yeah, completely different message series on pride we've got for you, and uh, that's another day coming. So here's the thing. The difference between reputation and legacy is the difference between who you are known for today and who you will be known for if it outlives you, right? Who you are now is reputation, but if that outlives you and impacts people after, we're talking about legacy. And to be honest, if, if I were to ask right now, most of you would say, well... Seriously, Jimmy, a message on legacy? I mean, gosh, that's like, that's up there. And most of us could honestly say we have not done anything that we think is worthy of leaving a legacy. If we were to go around the room, has anybody started a humanitarian aid organization that is around the world, you know, similar to Red Cross? Anybody done something like that? Anybody set world records or Olympic records in sports? No? Uh, any of those kinds of things? Yeah, no, those typically don't come to mind. Anybody started an orphanage that's rescued 100 kids off the street last week? Okay. But by the time we're done today, I hope that you will see that there is a way. Not only is there a way, but actually God has called us to leave a legacy. It is possible for every single one of us in the room, and that's what I want us to look at. So uh, as I started thinking through scripturally, what is the best way for us to understand legacy. Who should we look at? The lives of, of, of who in the Bible would be a great example. The first thing you realize is there's a lot of people in the Bible that would be a great message on legacy. And so the toughest time I really had was discovering who not to use. And I decided I'm just going to go for the easy one. Every now and then you just go for the easy one, right? You know, somebody just lobs up one, you just take it. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go with King David. King David is a great example. Uh, he's written a lot of our scripture and still thousands of years later, we are trying to be like King David. We talk about doing things like King David even now, so it makes it really easy for me. Now, one thing I'm gonna do that's very different today that's, that is a little difficult for me, if you're new to Grace Life or maybe it's your first time here, one of the things that I like to do is to say, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. Because again, I believe your interaction with God's Word is really gonna help, and I like you to have your Bible, you can underline, you can highlight, you can write in it, you can take notes and all that sort of stuff. And if you're taking notes on something, you can put it in the Bible, and when you go and pray tomorrow, you'll see it, and it'll help you. Uh, but what we're doing today, if I'm going to show you legacy, it means I can't just say, let's look at this story. What I need to show you is the impact David had over hundreds of years. And that means that it will spread throughout multiple books of the Bible. And in order for me to do that today, you would be flipping pages so fast you would miss everything I've got to say. 
So one of the rare times, and for today only, I'm going to say it's actually better if you just look at the screen instead of trying to keep up in your Bible. Is everybody okay? Do you forgive me? Those of you that love to use your Bible, I do too. Forgive me. Here we go. We're going to start with what was David's reputation when he was alive. And it says, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, if anybody knows that story, we don't really have time for it, but it just kind of goes a little like this. David saw a woman he wanted. She was married. He had the husband killed, took the woman. Woo! That just goes over well for a star of the Bible, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, but here's the point. We're not going to use that story today. We're not even going to talk about that any more than to say this. If you think that you have messed up too bad, If you think you are too far gone, if you think you have sinned too grievously for God to use you, look at David in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That God still says, this guy never did anything wrong. And let me tell you, afterwards, this is written in the New Testament about David. This is what God says about David. After the matter of Uriah the Hittite, he says this, I have found in David a man after my own heart. Really? You remember Uriah? Yeah, I remember Uriah. But here's what I know. I know David's not perfect. I know David's a sinner. But what I know is that David, he thinks like I think. He feels like I feel. He obeys like I'd want him to obey. That that David defends my glory in his deepest being. That David, man, right here, he's got it. So if you would have the enemy right now and tell you, no, 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 your past, no, 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 God couldn't use you. You know that thing you did? You couldn't leave a legacy. You know, you know what? If people knew, uh, you know If people knew what God knows and what I know, oh, no, 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 no. I want you to just remember what David has accomplished. And he had Uriah in his life. Okay? That encourages everybody, right? Everybody's good with that? So let's go on and find out what happens. That was his reputation for being an incredible, godly man who did what was right in the eyes of God, who had God's heart. Well, If that's all that ever happened, he would have just had a great reputation. It turns out, though, that it spread after him for years, for decades, for centuries, and now actually for millennia, that anyone who did what was right in the eyes of God, David got credit for it. It says in the Bible that you did like David did. That is legacy. His reputation outlived him. It became legacy. I'm going to walk you through a couple of them right here. It says this. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David his father had done. Here's what you might not know about Asa. David was not his daddy. But the Bible just said, wait a minute, as as, as David his father had done. He's actually his great-grandson. But here's the point. If anyone else ever was a good king, if anyone else ever led well and brought glory to God, They didn't even get credit for it. All they got was to say, hey, you're just like David. Seriously, don't I get credit for being good? No, David gets credit for you being good. It's his legacy. He did it. You just copied him. How cool is that? Wouldn't you like to have a legacy when somebody else does something amazing, all they get credit for is copying you? Oh, follow this one here. Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, that's important. King of Judah began to reign, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father, I thought Ahaz was, all that David his father had done. This is over 300 years later, 13 kings later, 
And a good king comes along, he doesn't get credit for being good. He gets credit for being a part of David's legacy. How about this one? And Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. This is over 400 years, 16 kings later. That is legacy. When anyone who does things centuries later the way you would do it, your name is still being applied to it. People are still copying you. People are still saying, if I could only be like you. Now, here's the thing we need to know if we're going to talk about legacy. Not all legacies are good. Not all legacies are good. There are other people that people want to be like. They aspire to be like, and they say, I would like to copy this person because there are fallen people in this world, and they look at fallen things and say, I'd like to do that. And so there are people we copy who also have a legacy. Anybody ever heard of someone named Al Capone? Hitler? Nebuchadnezzar? And we could do this list all day long. These are people who have legacies, legacies that have lasted for centuries and millennia for their destruction and for the evil that they caused. So follow this. We had David. He was king of Israel. And then David had a son named Solomon. And Solomon was king of Israel. Solomon got to see the greatest of the days of Israel. Seriously. So never come back to what Solomon saw and witnessed. Solomon got to see the building and the dedication of the temple, which turned out to be historically the greatest worship service to ever take place upon planet earth we have not copied it or come even close ever since if you don't know the story go read about it in the bible it was amazing if, if somebody said jimmy you can travel back in time the first two would be to see jesus and go see the dedication of the temple those those two make the list this was amazing to watch this thing happen this is what solomon got to see unfortunately all that glory kind of stopped there because after solomon the kingdom became divided what does that mean? It means no longer did everybody get along. If you were here last week, we talked about how Israel had 12 sons, and so everyone in Israel was one of the 12 tribes. So here's what happened at this point. The kingdom split, and the 10 big tribes came over here, and they got to keep the name Israel. You know why that is? Because there are 10, and they're big, and they're the older sibling people. That's how that works. Anybody the baby sibling in the family like me? Like you're the youngest, you were the smallest, you were, okay. Well, join me. The two tribes that were left had to pick a new name. Why? Because they're the smallest and the 10 could beat them up. Okay, so they chose the name Judah. All right, so here's what happens. The 10 tribes that are still called Israel, now they get a new king that is not from David's bloodline, is not from David's legacy at all. His name is Jeroboam, and he leaves a bad legacy. Let's talk about Jeroboam here. It says, God sent a messenger. Go, tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, you have not been like my servant David. Look at that. Even when a bad guy shows up, he gets compared to David's legacy. Man, this thing goes on forever. You have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart, doing only that which was right in my eyes. But you, you have done evil above all who were before you. Oh my gosh. That is not something you want to hear God say to you not going to go well for him that's his reputation and he will give he god will give up israel because of the sins of jeroboam whoa wait a minute you were such a bad leader your entire nation is going to pay for what you did guess what his legacy was 
in which he sinned and made Israel to sin. His reputation was being the most evil that had ever happened. And then we see the consequence that came out of it. God had to deal with them and judge Israel. But his legacy was to be known that as a leader, you led your nation into sin. And just hold on to those words. Hold on to those. Let's look at this here. His grandson, Baasha, the son of Ahijah, began to reign. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam. Talk about legacy being passed down. Didn't say he just did bad things. He walked in the way of the devil. No, he walks in the way of a legacy. He walked in the way of Jeroboam. And what was that legacy? That in his sin, which he made Israel to sin. You're not just a bad guy, but you have a legacy of being a leader who leads the nation into destruction. 200 years later, 12 kings later, Jeroboam II, now Jeroboam the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam I, Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. I could have given you example after example after example. You should thank me later for not taking you through every verse of the two books of Kings and the two books of Chronicles. And there are 39 kings over 400 years that almost every single one of them says you either did as David your father did or you made Israel to sin and did as Jeroboam did. It's called legacy. Now, as we talk about this, I know some of you might be getting confused about the idea between a memory and a legacy. Is my grandmother, did my grandmother leave a legacy? She died 20 years ago and we still say, hey, you remember grandma? No, that's a memory. Of course you remember grandma if you ever met grandma. I hope you remember grandma. Maybe you liked her cookies and maybe you remember grandma every time somebody bakes some really good cookies. I don't mean to offend anyone's grandmother, but that's not a legacy. It's a memory. A legacy is when someone wants to emulate you, someone wants to copy you, and someone is known for the way they live their lives because it's the way you lived your life. After you're gone, when you still have an impact, it's not just that someone remembers you fondly. I mean, that's great. I hope someone does remember you fondly. But if you have an impact that goes after your life when your life is over. So here's the question. Does anyone here want to leave a legacy? Anybody want to leave a legacy? Okay, good. Way more hands than the rest of the day. You guys win the award. That's good. The second service, like one hand went up and I thought, wow, very inspiring first half of my message evidently nobody liked anything i had to say so here we go yeah i really stirred up all one of them all right so if you want to leave a legacy at least more of you are stirred up if you want to leave a legacy here are three things that you are going to need to know in order to leave a legacy the first one is this you cannot leave what you do not have you can't leave what you don't have here's what this means you want to leave a legacy you have to create a legacy legacy is about being known after you were gone for who you are while you were here. You've got to start today being a legacy if you want to do that. Here's the point. You must become what you want to be remembered for. You must succeed at what you want to be known for. You must lead at what you want to be followed for. Legacy later comes from reputation now. Legacy later comes from reputation now. What do you want to leave a legacy in? I'm hoping every one of you just got an answer. It shouldn't have been hard to come by. Let's do this just one more time. Holy Spirit, give everybody an answer. What do you want to leave a legacy in? All right, everybody got one? Good. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you a little warning, and I'm also going to go ahead and tell you this. This little warning is the understatement of the day. It's really the understatement of the week. It might be the understatement of the century. 
Here's your understatement. Whatever you want to leave a legacy in, whatever you feel God has called you to leave a legacy in, the enemy will come after you with everything he's got in that area of your life. It will be the hardest thing you ever fight for, ever fight for, the hardest thing you will fight for. You want to leave a legacy of godly marriage? Got a young couple, just got engaged right there. Look at that, left hand heavier. Woo, all right, there we go. That was her week. They're about to come see me for premarital counseling. I'm going to say, do you want to leave a legacy of marriage to your family to come for generations after you? Well, then good luck with that. Because the enemy is going to come after you with everything he's got. With everything he's got. If you want your children and your children's children to have whole marriages, then you will fight for yours with everything you've got. It will not come easily. You will have to make hard choices. You will have to stay together when you don't think it's worth it. You will have to do it God's way when the world's way is so much easier. You are going to reach a point where you think you've got nothing left. Your marriage is going to reach a place where you're going to say, I I don't know what I was thinking. How did I think I could leave a legacy in this? I don't even talk to my spouse. I haven't talked in a week to my spouse. We we, we can't get along on anything. We argue about everything. Who was I to think I could leave a legacy in this area? It's the enemy will come at you with everything he's got to take away the thing. Because here's the thing. You do not know who tells your story. Anybody sees Hamilton? Hamilton? Anybody with me on Hamilton? Who's cool? There was not many hands in the room. Okay, a couple of people. The rest of you need to get with it, Hamilton. You don't know who tells your story, right? Okay, here you go. You can't control what happens after you die, but you can control what's happening now. You can control if you are legacy worthy. I can't force you to become a legacy, and you may not be able to control that, but you can control if you are legacy worthy. And so what the enemy is after is he is after who you are now so that you will not be legacy worthy. He wants to win the fight right now in that area of your life to keep you from being legacy worthy. Number two, you can't leave a good legacy by accident. You might leave a legacy by accident, but it won't be a good one. You can't leave a good legacy by accident. You see, legacy is not a word for the masses. Legacy is a word for the few. Now, when I say that, I need you to understand I'm not insulting anyone or saying that you could not all achieve a legacy. I believe that every single one of us could achieve leaving a legacy, and we're called to do it, and it will be my challenge to you before I'm done today. However, here's the thing. Legacy is not a word for the masses. It is a word for the few. And here's the reason why. Because in order to leave a legacy, you have to be incredibly intentional. And intentionality is a word for the few not for the masses. Okay, if we could have an alien who could come come down from another planet or something and land on Earth and observe us, and hopefully none of you believe in that, or if anybody been abducted, don't raise your hand for that one. We got counseling for that. Okay, so here's the thing. If we could have an alien or maybe an angel who's been watching humanity for all of time say, hey, you know, talking to another angel, one of the things I really notice about those folks down there, humanity, time after time after time, all throughout time, let me tell you one of their main, uh, you know, like known factors is, They just take it the way it comes. They just get up on Monday, and they just deal with whatever Monday throws at them. These are some of the most unintentional people you will ever make. They they, they just want to to make it through their week so they can get to the weekend, and they want to make it through their years so they can get to vacation, and they want to make it through their decades so they can get to retirement and someday get to heaven. They are as mediocre as it gets. I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm one of us, so I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but we are some of the most unintentional beings that were ever created. We just go with the flow. We're just good with whatever. 
I mean, how many times have I ever said, hey, you want something, son? And you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, just give me whatever. You know, just, we're just so unintentional. But if we want to leave a legacy, we are going to have to make a plan and decide what we're going to be and how we're going to get that legacy into our lives. If you want to have a legacy of having children and children's children and children's children who know and, and honor God, you've got to be very intentional. You're going to have to pray for them. And you're going to have to pray for your kids' kids. And you're going to have to pray for your kids' kids' kids. You're going to have to pray all the time. And you're going to never stop praying. You're going to pray from the first time you think about it till your dying breath. You're going to have to pray for those kids. And you're going to have to model for those kids. You want them to actually do this? You can't just expect them to copy somebody else, some other godly person they might accidentally somewhere meet. No, no, no. You're going to have to say, hey, come here. Let me show you how I read the Bible. Hey, come. I know you're only like three years old, but play with your toys while I read my Bible in the morning. So you will see me doing this. So you will see what I'm going through. Let me model this for you. You're going to have to teach them what this is. You're going to have to teach them what it means to follow God. You're going to have to say, let me tell you why, why I'm doing this. Let me tell you why I'm not angry right now. Let me tell you how I'm forgiving that person. Let me tell you what's going on in my soul. You can't just drop them off here on Wednesday night and think the youth pastor is going to do it. First of all, if he does, he gets the legacy you don't. If you want that legacy, you're going to have to teach your children. That means you're going to have to be transparent in front of your kids and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm really going through. This is what has been hard for me. And when they come to you at 18, if they're willing, and hopefully God willing, they are willing to talk to you at 18 and say, hey, dad, hey, mom, this is what I'm struggling with. You can say, you know what? I used to struggle with that too. And here's how I won that battle. You're going to have to do that. If you want that legacy, it's going to be intentional planning. And if you want to have this, then the first thing you're going to have to ask is, what are the barriers in my life? I've got to change. If I want to be that after I'm gone, if I want to be known for that after I'm gone, I've got to be that today. And if I've got to be that today, then today's got to change. What do I need to change? What are the barriers in my life that are keeping me from having that as my legacy? And that's another reason that legacy is a word for the few. Because few of us are willing to make the tough change today for something that will happen after we're gone. Few of us. Number three, and finally, you can, you can leave a legacy of some size in some area of your life. Now, up until this point, I know some of you have tuned me out. Some of you have thought, legacy? Is there anything more abstract you could have talked about? Is there anything more distant from my life? I mean, when you say legacy, people like George Washington and Martin Luther King Jr. come to mind. I mean, seriously, and you want to talk to me about legacy. I'm just me. Can I tell you that's the number one thing the enemy wants you to think about you is that you are just. You are just a teacher. You are just a soldier. You are just a doctor. You are just an electrician. You are just a whatever. You are just a stay-at-home mom. Gee, how about, is that a good life from the enemy? You are just a person who stays at home all day long with the next generation of your entire family line, shaping their actions, their attitudes, their thoughts, and their perspectives on everything. But yeah, you are just a stay-at-home mom. You couldn't leave a legacy. You are nobody. This is what the enemy would love for us to think. Now, let me be honest with you. We're not all called to make history, but we are all called to change a life. And that's what a legacy is, is when you do something in a way 
that after you're gone, other people want to copy that. And you can do this. I'll admit, you're not all called to leave a legacy in the music world like the Beatles. You're not all called to leave a legacy in the sports world like Michael Jordan. You're not all called to leave a legacy in the creative tech world like Steve Jobs. We're not all called to make history and to be famous and to be written down with our names in books somewhere. But we are called to leave a legacy with those around us. Let me give you an example. We're here at Fort Jackson. We've got a lot of soldiers. Anybody in the military, raise your hand. Anybody is, ever was in the military, raise your hand. Here we go. Okay, here's the thing. You're probably not going to be Napoleon. Sorry to tell you. Not going to be the general to conquer the world that's remembered for hundreds of years to come for either good or bad. You're not going to be Napoleon. But you can still leave a legacy, and, and here's what I mean by that. Let's, let's just, I know you're not all in the army, nor were you all drill sergeants, but I can only give one example. Flow with me here. So imagine you're a drill sergeant. You're here at Fort Jackson. The army does what it always does, which is move you on to somewhere else. Someday you are halfway around the world. You've got another duty station. The people who were there, you think they've forgotten about you. They're doing nothing else. Okay, so now there's this new kid joins the army. He's going through basic training. And he comes up to his drill sergeant and he says, sir, except someone in the last service told me you don't say sir to a drill sergeant. So forgive me. I wasn't in the military. Follow with this. Sergeant. You say sergeant, right? There we go. There we go. Sergeant, I, I, can, can I ask you a question off the record? Go ahead. Well, you know, I, I'm just curious. You're really hard on us. And all those guys are hard on us too, but honestly, they're jerks. Except you may not use that word if you're in basic training, but yeah, it's okay. But you're hard on us, and, and it's very clear you actually care about whether or not we succeed in life. Why, why is that? And that drill sergeant says, well, let me tell you. You see, there used to be a drill sergeant here. There's your legacy. Maybe you won't go down in a history book. But after you've moved to a new job, after you've moved to a new town, after you've gone to heaven and your kids are looking, when someone says, let me tell you about. Hey, Dad, why do you do that? Well, let me tell you about your grandfather. That's a legacy. That's, that's, that's what a legacy is. When someone, after you were gone, wants to do it like you did, like David, their father. Y'all follow that? Here's what I believe. I believe if you've got a family, you are called to leave a legacy with your family. I don't think it's optional. And I'm not trying to guilt you, but this is incredibly simple. God has trusted you with children who will have children who will have children who will have children. And your job, the very least you can do is be the absolute best steward of that life that you can be. So that your kids see how you live your life. So that they will say, man, I tell you what, out of everybody in the world, I just want to be like my dad. I just want to be like my mom. And they go and teach their children, hey, I'm going to tell you what my dad taught me because I want you to be like your grandfather. That is awesome. That is what we want to do. If you have finances, raise your hand if you've got money. Any amount of money. Come on, hands. Any amount of money. I know, it's funny. I talk about finances and people are like, oh, he's, I don't have to listen to this part of the sermon. I'm not a millionaire. No, no, no. 